Have you ever had a goal that just seemed impossible? If so, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Consistent Runner Girls Notable Peeps, the series that gives attention to remarkable people who are putting on their shoes, doing their best, and believing in the impossible. All my dreams are coming, all my dreams are humming, all my dreams are coming true. It's time for the Notable Peeps. Hey guys, my name's Steph, and I just have to tell you a story. So... This interview has been an interesting process because a couple weeks ago, I was up at our family's cabin in Bear Lake. And so just a little background, when I record these interviews, it's into a device and it saves out on an SD card. And so I had the SD card in my computer and I took it out and replaced it with a photo SD card because I needed to do some photo editing. Anyways, that doesn't matter. But I set it on the couch and, and then in the morning I woke up and it wasn't there. And I was like, oh no, what happened to this? And so I I searched the whole cabin, couldn't find it, turned the, the couches upside side down. And I was like, you know what? This is going to be one of those experiences where I pray for it. Like people always lose their keys and they pray for it and they find it. And, and so throughout the whole weekend, I was like, it's okay. Like my prayers are going to be answered. I'm going to find it. And then the end of the weekend came and I couldn't find it. And we searched again and I was like, oh no, this interview is lost. So fast forward to a couple weeks later, my brother and his friends were going up. So I sent him a message and I was like, Caleb, if you guys can find this SD card and I sent him a little picture, I was like, I will Venmo the person that finds it 50 bucks. That's how much this means to me. And so Brad Cook, shout out to Brad. He was the one that found it and he's such a gem. He wouldn't let me pay him. So Brad, you're a saint and thank you so much for finding this because then I didn't have to re-record. And so that's really how this all came about. And and today's interview is with Greg Blessa and he's a good family friend. And the thing that I love about Greg's story, so he has these these friends, these buddies that are always inviting him to do things and he's always like, oh, I can't do that. You know, I... That's too hard. And they invited him to hike Mount Rainier and he accepted. Now, hiking Mount Rainier, this isn't like any hike. This is a glacier. Like it was summertime and they had to have these little, I don't even remember what they're called, but it's like these shoes with spikes for to walk on the snow. Like this is intense. And so this is his story about hiking Mount Rainier and and sometimes things don't happen the way that we want them to and also how he was able to to cope with that. Brad Cook, thank you so much for finding this audio. You're the best. And Spencer and Kayla, also thanks for driving this SD card down for me today. I just appreciate you guys. And here's Mr. Greg Blessa. Greg, so you just got back from a super hard hike, Mount Rainier. I didn't even know about Mount Rainier before you talking about it. But what made you decide that you wanted to, to hike it? I've got two best friends, Ryan and Josh. They've been climbing and hiking and doing a lot of outdoor stuff for years. We ski together. Um, but they do a lot of stuff that I've never even dreamed of doing. Um, one of my buddies, Ryan, just got back from going to base camp at Everest. Oh, whoa. So he, they're always doing these these crazy expeditions, hikes. So about a year ago, they mentioned, hey, we're going to climb Mount Rainier. What do you think? Would you want to try and do it? Um, I've never done anything like this. I've never even thought about doing anything like this. I never thought I could do something like this. So I've always said no. You know, they've invited me to uh, go on rafting trips or go on other major hiking excursions uh, in Colorado and here in Utah. In the past, 
I wouldn't even think about it because I think it was impossible. I wasn't interested. I wasn't interested in even thinking about it because it scared me. Uh, but about a year ago, I said, all right, I'll do it. And they really didn't believe me. Um, Mount Rainier, it's, it's big. It's 14,100 feet. It's Whoa. a big mountain. It's the third most recognizable peak in the U.S. Wait, I didn't know that. It's the yeah. third. Oh. So it's big. So it's a big deal. That it's a big just... deal. It's a big deal. And so they said, well, look into it. Because they didn't think I'd do it. Uh, they didn't believe me. They figured I wouldn't do it. Um, like I said, I've always turn, turned them down because I thought I couldn't imagine myself doing something like that. Um, but I turned 40 this coming September, and I've never really done anything that physically pushed me. I played tennis in college. I've, I've, I've been athletic my whole life, but I've never done something where I doubted myself but pushed through it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they said, go online, check it out. And I know they didn't believe I'd do it. They knew, they probably figured I'd, I'd just kind of blow it off and brush it off and say, oh, I missed the deadline or I didn't sign up. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I went into my office late one night and got online and filled out the information, the paperwork and put my deposit down. And, uh, called them back that night and said, I'm in. And so, uh, were they like, what? <laughs> they were surprised. They, uh, they were excited for me, but these two guys have always pushed me. You know, I became a better skier over the past few years because they pushed me to go out of my comfort zone, um, doing stuff like that and hiking. Um, and so that's kind of what got me interested in, in it was these two buddies that, you know, they're, they live a different lifestyle than I do. Um, they're, they're pilots for major airlines. They don't have kids. They don't have families. They work a few weeks here and there and they've got a lot of free time. So on a Tuesday or Wednesday afternoon when I'm at the office, they're calling to say, hey, do you want to go skiing? Or do you want to go hiking? No, I can't. I'm working. I've got a full-time job and, and family. So it, it's always fun when I can I can actually commit to doing something with these guys and, and do it. So we decided to start training for Mount Rainier. Greg, I'm loving your story because I, I really didn't know how you got into this. Like I just knew that you were training a little bit. I didn't realize it was like such a big deal that it's the third biggest peak recognizable peak in in the u.s so like props for for doing this so do you want to describe a little bit the the training process you said that before that they would invite you to do things and you never thought that you could do it so did you have to train a lot um yes so it's funny because i i hated hiking and i still probably hate hiking (laughs) but that's not the point they would get me to to do smaller hikes in the beginning so we do things like there's a local one here called Bell's Canyon, and you know it's two or three miles up and sand coming down. So I'd set small goals at first. Another thing I would do was I'd set time limits where I'd say, okay, I've got an hour, I've got two hours. I'm going to go and hike and see how far I get. So there's another peak here called Grandeur, and we would do that. Um, and Grandeur, you know, to get to the top, it should take about two hours. And I'd say, okay, I've got an hour. Let me see how far I can go. And we first started out just hiking with just tennis shoes on, maybe a bottle of water, and we'd go up. Um, but then it kind of, as we got closer to the date, we'd start to hike with weight, meaning we'd put water bottles and dumbbells, um, stuff like that, into backpacks. And I'd start out really light, you know, five pounds. And then I'd go up to 10 pounds. And then a few weeks later, I'd maybe go down to five pounds because I doubted myself. Sucks. Can't do it. <laughs> I love your honesty. <laughs> and I'd get pissed off and I'd be done. And then, you know, a day or two would go by and I'd be fine again. And I'd go with 20 pounds. 
So my goal is to get it to about 40 pounds. So probably two to three weeks before the hike, um, I was I was hiking with like 30 to 40 pounds because that's kind of where I knew my pack would be. And again, I'd never packed, hiked with a pack. Um, so we just started really hiking a lot of the hills here. I joined the gym. That was awesome. So I went back <laughs> to the gym and started like a body pump class. And it's super easy because I like to be told what I need to do when I'm working out. It's an hour every couple nights. And I follow an instructor and there's music and other people in there. So I joined a gym. Wait, so were you doing Zumba? No, I was doing body pump. <laughs> Don't lie. No, body pump. I was thinking about, I went to high school weight. I couldn't do it. This was really just... It was weightlifting, and there were other guys in there and other girls. And it was Okay, so body pump. Body pump. <laughs> yes. So I started going back to the gym, and I had a goal of losing, I don't know, like 20 pounds. I didn't get there, but I came kind of close. Yeah, I was thinking, like, I haven't seen you for a little bit. Yeah, I'm, like, you're like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you're Jesus. looking slim. So. so, yeah. And then the biggest thing was I got support from my family. You know, I have a couple aunts that... They didn't even know I hiked. They're like, uh, you hike? Like, yeah. They're like, what do you mean hike? You walking on walking trails? You going to the track at the high school? No, I'm hiking, okay? I'm climbing mountains. I'm like actually hiking and climbing mountains. Yeah, Aunt Patty. So I got a lot of support, even from Aunt Patty, uh, for my family. And it was that was one of the biggest things, letting people know what I was doing. Just so that I could be excited and share that excitement with other people. And when I had doubts... It's you're like, dude, you're doing great. Think where you were two weeks ago or a year ago. You know, you could barely go up a, a, a small hill or walk around the golf course. So, you know, I talked to a lot of people. And I shared my excitement. And as the days got closer and I got scared and nervous, I get that reassurance from my wife, Jamie, or from my kids or from my dad. Um, also, I talked to a lot of people that did this. And I would just bring it up with random people that I've skied with or that I knew. Hey, I'm hiking, I'm climbing Mount Rainier in June. Um, and I had one friend, her and her husband have done it like three times. So I really picked their brain and I used some of their equipment and I got different ideas. And they gave me the worst advice for one thing and I didn't do that later. <laughs> but, you know, so I talked to a lot of people and, you know, found out what I needed to know about it and why they liked it and what pushed that and motivated them. So... You you do all this training, you've joined the gym, you've hiked with these weights on your back, which sounds miserable, and then hike day comes. You're in Washington, right? It's in Washington. Yes. And are you thinking, oh no, what did I get into? Or were you excited? Or what were your... Uh, a little bit of both. You know, we, we left on Friday, and I lingered at home. Like, it was really weird, like... I was supposed to be at my friend's house to meet them because we were driving and I was supposed to be there at seven and I just kept wanting to linger at home and with the family. And even when I go on business trips, I just kind of say bye, hug and kiss the, the, the kids and the wife and I leave. But here I ended up doing the dishes like at 6.30 in the morning and, you know, helping get kids ready for school. And finally, Jamie, my wife's like, you got to go. They're waiting on you. So even leaving, I was excited, but super nervous and pretty much terrified because I didn't know what to expect. And it, I didn't know if I was ready. Um, so we, we left on a Friday, and we drove. We got to Seattle, and then the hike, we kind of hung out and rested on Friday, Saturday. And then Sunday morning, we drove to Ashford, and it was on now. I mean, we're going to Ashford. That's, that's where the base of Rainier National Park is. And, uh, 
stopped at REI because I forgot the raincoat. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So we stopped at REI. Thank you, I, REI, for helping yeah, out, Greg. So I, I ended up having to buy a raincoat um, because I figured it would be, you know, rainy and wet because it, it was so much colder up there. It's 90 degrees here in Salt Lake City, Utah. It was in the 40s and 50s there that first day. Oh, man. So we got there, and the first day we ended up, you, you got a meeting starting at like 2 o'clock, and you meet your guide. Because we went with a guided service, International Mountain Guide. They were awesome. So we, we had a guided service that we were with. Um, we had four guides, and that first day we met them, and we did bag checks. So they go through all your gear. They want to make sure you've got the right base layers and camping equipment and climbing gear and just everything you can think of for the trip. Sleeping bags. Wait, so is this pretty dangerous then? It's it's a major, you know, some people say it's a hike. Day one, it's a three and a half day trip. So day one, you're hiking on snow and all you're really doing is just climbing. Wait, so day one you're on the snow. Day one, and this is oh. an odd year for, for the area because they've gotten so much snow. Usually if you go later in the season, June is still considered winter up there. Um, if you go July or August or even September, that first day, day one, from the parking lot of Mount Rainier, you're you're hiking on, on dirt, in dirt paths. So you have hiking shoes on. But in this case, in day one, we started with mountaineering boots. So when we're going through the gear check, they're checking that and making sure you have the right mountaineering boot. And for those of you that don't know, a mountaineering boot is kind of a mix between a, a ski boot and a snowboarding boot. Oh. It's a double, double layer boot. It's plastic. So that was one of the biggest challenges I had because training here in Utah, this time of year, there's no snow. So I tried using these mountaineering boots on a, on a hike and they just killed my feet. I was climbing up rocks and down rocks, so... Um, they, they just killed my feet. So that was another thing I was pretty nervous about. So from day one, you go through the bag check, they go through everything, you meet your guides, and then they kind of set you loose to go grab dinner. And then come uh, Monday morning, we, we met up, we loaded up in the van, and you drive about 30 or 45 minutes into the park, into Na- Rainier National Park. So we drive in. Um, my bag, I weighed my bag before we left. Of course, my buddies had a little digital scale, so we weighed our bags. Mine weighed 36 pounds. I'm like, all right, that's kind of in the realm of what I was used to, but I was used to hiking two, maybe four hours at the most with this. Day one, you pull up, you put those mountaineering boots on, you throw your pack on, and you start going. And day one, you go about four and a half miles. You're starting at about 5,300 feet of elevation, so 5,300 feet above sea level. Now, that first day, you're climbing to about 10,300, 10,500. Man. So there's about 5,500 feet of elevation gain within four and a half to five miles. Are you just freezing? No, that's the good thing. So day one, I overdressed. Oh. And that caused a few problems. So day one, it was probably 50 degrees. And when we started out, there was a marine layer. Uh, and what a marine layer is, it's just, you're pretty much in a cloud and it's really moist. And there was a little bit of precipitation, a little bit of, of rain in there. So I had this new rain jacket that I bought at REI. <laughs> it, it REI! So I got super hot. So I ended up taking that off. And the first three to four hours of the climb, or at this point, still just a hike, um, 
were in this marine layer. So it was kind of a little bit chilly, a little bit wet, and you're just pretty much trudging. Every hour you get you take a break. You have to sit on, and they're very it's very structured. You sit on your pack, you take your pack off, you sit on your pack, you drink water, and you eat. And you're supposed to eat about 300 calories. So this is the guides being like, okay, we're taking yes. the break. Okay. So every every hour or so, they'd have you take a break. So I started out with two liters of water. And I didn't manage that very well. And then remember how I mentioned that my friends that had climbed Grenier, they gave me a really bad advice on one. Yeah, time. what was it? They told me pack food that I like to eat. Oh. So, of course, that morning, I go to this grocery store, and I'm thinking, what do I like to eat? I like candy bars. I like Pop-Tarts. <laughs> so, I, I filled up five to six pounds of just junk, because they're like, eat what you would like to eat. Don't, because I don't like protein bars, and I'm not big on... Protein know, bars, Pop-Tarts, oh, same, yeah. same. So that, that type of dense food, yeah. um, I'm just not a big fan of. So... I loaded up on a bunch of food. You know, I had I had some prosciutto and mozzarella. I had some cheese. And we were supposed to pack our lunches for the three-day trip. So I packed a bunch of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Great. So that first break, I was completely fine. I felt great. I mean, I'm only an hour into this trip, so I better feel good. <laughs> I feel good. I feel confident at that point. I'm hiking up the snow. They've given us some, some pointers on uh, a, what's called a rest step. Um, it's just a form of, of trudging up, up the mountain. And at this point, we're pretty much trudging up and we're hiking at this point. Um, it would be very similar to a, a steeper ski run. And I mean, you're pretty much just going up a hill completely packed in snow. And some of it's loose snow, some of it's packed, but you're in a line at this point and I'm just following the guy ahead of me. So pretty much I'm looking at his boots or I'm looking at his back. So we or his butt. Or his butt. <laughs> yeah. And there were times that I'd get confident and go too fast and I'd run into him and our guides would be like, you need to slow down. So you'd slow down. So we climbed and climbed and day one, again, it was just really hiking and trudging up um, about 4,500 to 5,000 vertical feet. And we came up, the biggest memory that I had, we came up over the out of that marine layer or out of that cloud and it's sunny and it's super warm and right there you see the peak of Mount Rainier and you feel like you're almost there. It's really deceiving. It was a really weird feeling. But I remember pointing up with my buddies and he's got a picture of it looking and the peak is right there. You, you, you feel like you're right there. And you're like, wow, I've done it. And then you take a second break and they tell you you're maybe about halfway there for the day. Because we were hiking from about 9 to 4, 4.30. And I just remember climbing and climbing. And at one point, I ran out of water. Because I didn't manage my water properly. <laughs> and I started to kind of get a little bit dehydrated. And um, you know, not feeling as good as I was in the beginning. And I, I ended up eating a little bit of snow because my mouth was dry. Wait, wait, wait. You ran out of water for the whole trip oh, or no, just no, no, from no. that so with this guide service that's a good one. <laughs> with this guide service they provide breakfasts and dinners and once you get to the first camp camp near they've got water oh they okay snow. so yes i had I, I knew i'd have water once i got up there but okay with with this day one i just didn't manage it properly there were four breaks by break number three i was going water and out of water um so yeah so that's really day one and then 
Wait, so when you went to bed on day one, were you thinking, I have two more days of this? Well, day one, after day one, so I kind of got a little bit behind the group. We had a group of eight people in this this group. So I, I kind of got a little bit behind in the group. So I kind of came off out of the line and slowed down a bit. And everybody got a little bit ahead of me. And finally they got to a point where they were probably... 10 minutes ahead of where I was. Um, and so I, you know, I got a little bit discouraged at that point. I'm like, oh crap, this is on day one. And I'm already feeling the elevation. Mm-hmm. I'm all, already not feeling super good. And this was pretty close to the top. This is probably three quarters of the way that first day. And, you know, one of the guys, she was awesome. Her name was Anna. And, and she just hung with me. She's like, just slow down. It, it doesn't matter. You're, you're not slowing anybody down. And she, she just kind of said, stay with my, my footsteps, just follow me. And that was one of the biggest things that helped me get through that first day, because you get, you get up one slope, and then you'd look up, and you saw you still had 500 vertical feet to go for, the, for that, that next run. But then you get to a point where you start to see this camp, and it's called Camp Near. And that day, first day, you're at about 10,500 feet, and they've got this man-made camp up there to get people out of the elements. And they've got a, a Forest Service ranger station up there. And so you could see that at a distance. And I knew I was probably 30 to 45 minutes away. So, you know, you just keep trudging along. And we'd sit on our packs every now and then and eat a little snow and have a good <laughs> conversation and be like, all right, let's roll. So, you know, I was probably behind the group about five to ten minutes. And you get up to the camp and there's eight, eight people in our group. And, you know, they're all waiting for you. And, they, and it was cool because, you know, I, I knew I could do it. And that's honestly... And this is going to sound really lame. That's the furthest I'd gone on a hike. No, that doesn't sound lame. So I was pretty tired after, yeah. after that. So you get done, you get up to Camp Muir. It's gorgeous. You're above the clouds. Um, and you, you you sleep in these, they've got these enclosures set up. And you sleep in these enclosures. And, you know, kind of unpack some stuff and figure out where I was going to sleep and grab some water. And then we had dinner. Dinner was provided by this guide service. Um, and at that point, I wasn't feeling really good, but I figured it was just because I was tired and a little bit dehydrated. So I just kept pounding water um, and just, you know, had dinner, and then we hung out. Went to bed fairly early, like 8. But I didn't sleep well. Because I'm not used to camping. I mean, there's three or four major lessons I learned through this whole thing. And I'll go through that list here in a minute. But I, I never really camped. Not even in scouts. I hated camping. You know, I camping to me is driving somewhere late at night, sleeping in the back of a truck, or sleeping in a tent, and then waking up super early in the morning so I go home and shower. That, that was camping. <laughs> so you're like roughing it because I imagine after hiking up that those steep cliffs, you're sweaty and gross, and yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm feeling. So you know, we we go to bed, and the next day, so it's a three day trip. The next day is pretty much a rest day. You take, you get up, you have breakfast, but they do a lot of training, which was awesome. So they teach you, at this point, you have not put crampons on. And crampons are these metal spikes that you put attached to the bottom of your mountaineering boot. And you, they help you get, they, they help you walk up the snow and on really steep pitches. Because at this point, we're on the glacier. Most of Rainier is a glacier. So now we are on a glacier. Man. Most of the first day you're just hiking up the mountain but now we're actually climbing we're on the glacier 
So they teach you how to use crampons and an ice axe and how to do a self-arrest and how to walk around in these crampons. Wait, wait, wait. So you have an axe, a pickaxe, and then you're having to walk around. And then what in the world is a self-arrest? So let's say you're hiking and you're, and you're climbing with a group. You're all tied off to each other. Let's say you're, as you're going, somebody slips and falls, or you slip and fall. This self-arrest allows you to dig in that ice axe and then scramble with your feet with those crampons on to get back up. So that ice axe is key because you you stick it in and you hold on for dear life. So, but then do you feel like being connected to everyone, like this pressure that you have to keep everyone's pace? And I felt that and I wasn't feeling good at all. I felt horrible at this time. I was still dehydrated, and then, so this is the second day. I'm still dehydrated. I didn't sleep well the night before, and at this point, I'm hating the trip. I'm hating climbing. I'm like, what did I get into? Why am I doing this? And I'm dehydrated, and I start to feel the effects of the altitude, which is super weird because we live in Utah, and we're in the mountains, um, and now we're probably about, we're still at about 10,000 feet, 10,500 feet, but like I said, it was kind of a rest day, so you eat breakfast, you do training, you hang out for a bit, but then you've got to put these crampons on and your helmet and get on your rope team, and you've got to go about 1,100 feet, which is about an hour and a half to two hour hike. So I tell our main guy, Dallas, who's incredible, he just got back from Everest, he was on a 72-day trip and summited Everest, so I'm like, what do I do here? A, I don't want to slow down the team. B, I feel horrible if I keep going. You know, what happens? He goes, you can go down. There's another group going down right now. Or why don't you just, why don't we t- see where we at, we're at? So I'm like, yeah, you're right. So I, I'm i ready to go. And we, we get on a rope team. We're ready to go. And we've got our helmets on. And we start climbing. So now we're climbing. Because first day we're hiking. Now we're, we're really climbing. And you're pretty much just trudging up up the side of the mountain and you're going to a place called the Flats or Ingraham Flats. And, you know, I was tired and felt horrible. I puked a few times, but we just kept going. And so we got to Ingraham Flats and, you know, again, this is the furthest I've ever got. From from there, you stay in tents um, and you stay overnight. So this is kind of where the story sucks because... I didn't. I made it to that point, but I didn't stay overnight. I got super sick, um, and it hurt. Like I was bawling when I had one opportunity that time to go down with another group had, that had summited the day before, and I knew that if I didn't go then with them to go back down, I'd have to sleep and be in a tent another night. And the way they do it is once you get to that second site, that second camp, you go to bed about five o'clock p.m. You're supposed to be in your tent going to bed because they're going to wake you up about midnight and you start climbing this is when this is the third day so this would be wednesday you're going to start climbing at midnight so that you can summit right around sunrise so that you can get down the mountain on that same day so i got up to that camp about three o'clock and i i pretty much just fell apart and it sucked i uh i was throwing up i was lightheaded i was just miserable 90% of it, I'd say, was, was physical, 10% was mental, and they had a group that was going down that day. I ended up going down. So I talked to the guide. I'm like, I can't do it anymore. I'm down. And I first talked to my buddies, and they're like, you got to do what you got to do. And they were a little bummed, but they knew that 
Again, it was the farthest I've ever gone. It's just like running a marathon or, or doing anything like this. I've never, I've never done it. So I really pushed my body as far as I could go, and I was balling. Like when I had to go down, my buddies and I talked. I talked to the group because we had now become pretty close. Oh, I bet you guys were. That's a big experience. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going down. So I ended up going down all the way down and got down about five and hitched a ride back to IMG or the the guide service headquarters. And my my buddy, we drove in his van. He, he has one of those big sportsmobile vans. And I ended up just crashing in that on Tuesday night and just hanging out there and waiting for them to come back Wednesday. And you know they 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 got up and they kept climbing saw a lot of great pictures and the funny thing is it was sunny first day sunny the second day and part of that third day that wednesday it was super warm and sunny but as soon as they got really really close to the top the weather completely changed uh, it ended up being 50 or 60 mile per hour winds a wide out a lot of snow and Ryan and Josh, my two friends that I went with, they were on the lead team. So they were leading everybody. So it was them and one guy. They, as they got close, they, nobody even knew they were close to the summit. And they were pretty much just pulled up by their guide on the rope and told to get off the fixed line. So there's a what's called a fixed line that's attached to the mountain. So previous guides and previous people have put a fixed line in so that you're, you're not only attached to your team, but you're also attached to this, this rope that is attached to the mountain. So they were told to disconnect from that, and he pulls them up and says, stick your ice axe, just pound it into the ground and hold on. Do not stand up, don't try anything, you're at the summit. But we're not hanging out here. So it was then, my two buddies, Ryan and Josh and the guy, and they stuck their ice axe and they didn't hit the summit. So once they did that, they started trying to go down, and the rest of the group, the other, at this point, six people, five people, were about 100 yards down from them. And they were kind of just waiting. Because when you go to, on trips like this, there's other groups and independents and guide, guided services that are trying to get up there. So there was a line of people trying to get to the summit. And as they were coming down, they saw a big commotion. And our group had gotten, their ropes had gotten tangled up with another group trying to come up. So it was just a big fiasco. And they ended up calling it saying, hey, nobody else is going to summit. We're going down. So I, I, was, I was back at the van kind of waiting for them. And everybody showed up. Probably four or five, six hours later from this point, they got there about four or five. And, you know, I was super excited for my buddies, but disappointed for everybody else because they had not been able to the summit. Um, and yeah, that was, that was pretty much the, the trip. And it was really a lot of mixed emotions. Like, that's when I was waiting for them, I was really bummed. I was hurt. I was jealous. Mm -hmm. um, and at that point, I hated climbing. I hurt. I had these huge blisters and hot spots on the bottom of my feet. My body just ate. And I was still getting over being sick. Um, and I was just, I was angry. But once I saw them, and I'm like, I didn't complete it. What's the dynamic going to be when, when they get back? But, you know, nobody really completed it. But everybody gave their best. And my best was good enough for me. And, that, you know, I was, I was happy with that. I love what you just said that like everyone did their best because like Greg, you what when you got to the first part, you said that you had never hiked 
or that was the most you'd ever hiked, right? The first day. Yeah. And then you flip and go with the ice pick. And and this is all in snow. Like, this isn't just normal hiking. Exactly. This is intense. Yes. So I think that you should be so proud of yourself because this is hard, you know? But I totally understand all those emotions where you're, like, so frustrated that it didn't work out the way that you wanted it to. But at the same time, like, I love your perspective, how you're like, I did my best. Well, I, I did my best. I, I watched or read read an article um, and there was a story by about a guy named Jason Everman who was the guitarist for Nirvana and for Soundgarden but then he ended up joining the military and was in special forces and he once said and I like I remembered this and I thought about it after I'd gotten done challenge leads to achievement and achievement leads to joy or I like satisfaction. it so and I, I thought about that and as the anger and the hurt kind of went away I was like you know, A, it challenged me. I've never done anything like this. I'd never gone that far. I achieved something. I went further than I ever have. On snow with a pack. Oh, yeah. I met some great people. I saw some beautiful sights, things that other people never see. And, you know, I was happy. I was satisfied with what I had done. Um, and I, you know, I, I kind of talked to my buddies on the way home, and I'm like, what do I tell people? I did something. They're like, who gives a shit? They're like, that's better than most people do. And I thought, you know, you're right. And it doesn't matter. I was, I was kind of thinking about, you know, external versus internal valida- validation. And I was more concerned about what other people thought as opposed to what I had done and what I cared about. And you know, I was just excited that I'd done it. And now that I've had time to come home and, and reflect on it, I did something awesome. And I'm super excited. And now that the, a lot of the pain's gone, I, I, I tried again. Talking to my stepbrothers, I'm like, I, I tried again. I know what to expect now. And I know, like, the three or four things I messed up on that I could have done a lot better and different. Uh, Pop-tarts don't equal protein bars. <laughs> and food choice. I borrowed Sig Mags and a, a pad from a friend, and I never tried them out. I never practiced with any of my gear. I didn't realize the Sig Mag was too small. It didn't work for me. Like, little things like yeah. that. So I I feel like I can relate to this experience in a sense that when I ran a marathon and I was 400 feet from the finish line and I passed out and woken up in an ambulance and I was like, did I finish? I was 400 feet away, you know, and and just that feeling at the end where you're like, what do I tell people? Like, I was so embarrassed of that forever. Like, I don't want to share with anyone because you were saying that like outward, what are people going to think? But now I feel like that experience to see where I've come is awesome. To be able to be like, okay, this was where I was at and now I've improved. And and like what you said, you didn't really know what to expect. I think you trained the most that you could, but you hadn't experienced it. And now doing it again, you'll totally know if yeah. you, yeah. You know, I pushed myself and I had great memories, new relationships, exciting stories. And I learned a lot. And again, I'd never done anything like this before. And, you know, I, I came home and there was a cool sign on my, my garage door for my kids and my wife. And. You know, I didn't, I didn't need that, that validation, but it felt good. Kind of like I talked about earlier where, you know, I got people excited for me and they were surprised that I made it as far as I did. I'm like, I actually did something pretty cool. Yeah, and way so cool. At this point, you know, a week after, back to life, back to kids, back to real work. I'm proud of what I did. And I wouldn't have felt that way the day, the day I came down early. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, I didn't feel that way. I felt really kind of ashamed and 
and like I failed, but looking at it now, it's like, no, I, I accomplished something that, you know, my accomplishment was different than my buddies that actually got to the summit, but I'm not, I'm not judged against them. They pushed me. They were excited for me. They knew my limits. They were surprised I made it as far as I did, you know, and we know that next time we do it or next time we do a big hike, you know, we'll go, I'll, I'll, I'll go even further. Oh yeah, and now the hikes around here are like gonna be nothing for you. No. You're like, oh. No, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to getting out there again and uh, enjoying enjoying the outdoors and, and enjoying something that hurts and actually enjoying the the feeling of a little bit of pain and pushing my body. Because um, in my opinion, you know, the pain and the pushing makes you feel alive. It makes you be grateful for for the ability to to do things and get out there. And with whatever it is, you know, be it hiking, be it boating, be it water skiing, be it playing basketball or, you know, or hanging with family and friends, just being able to get out there, we take it for granted. So being able to feel that pain a little bit, that that shortness of breath and the, the pain in the legs, it's going to go away, you know. Yeah. You're going to be fine. You yeah. just kind of push through it and make sure you have enough water. <laughs> well, even as you talk, Greg, it's like you just have this confidence that it's like, yeah, you can do hard things, you know? Like, and I love that, how before when they would invite you to do things and you're like, you would say no to all these opportunities. And now what you're saying is you're like, I want to push through this stuff. I want to experience it. So so you talked about some cool um, experiences that you had, some cool stories. What were your, like some of your top highlights from this trip? Probably, probably the views and being able to see things that I'd never be able to see. So that's probably one of them, just being up there and how incredible that glacier is. And without, you know, there's only one way up there, one way to get there, and that was through hard work and pushing yourself. So that was probably my biggest highlight, being able to look and go, wow, I was up there. Um, a lot of the pictures that I've shared, I took. Some of them I didn't because I didn't make it that far, but being able to, to look and, and say, yeah, I saw that firsthand. That was probably one of the biggest highlights. Um, the relationships I built. I was already best friends with these two guys, but we had a couple from China, and they're funny. <laughs> what? Yeah. There's a love story There's on your trip? Story. Yeah. Kind of but the relationships, <laughs> there's an Asian couple, two guys from Dominican Republic, and then a guy from Alabama, and then the three of us, uh, and then our four guys. So the relationship and bond that we had from day one, for example, you know, as, as you're coming up to different breaks and, and different points on the, on the, the climb, people are cheering each other on and, and motivating each other. And we'd have these long, deep conversations at night before we go into bed and uh, just getting to know each other. And we all come from different worlds. And, you know, the Chinese couple, they spoke very broken English. They lived in New York and they ran marathons. And, you know, getting to know them and the proposal, he pretty much just listed the things that they had done together. So second language, I'll give him a break, but it was like 10 minutes of complete awkwardness. And, and you guys crazy. are just sitting there? Yeah. It was cold <laughs> at this point and... Um, but it was cool. Um, and just, just being up there and doing something that I had never done before. Um, I'd have to say probably the biggest accomplishments with it. Um, and I, I climbed Mount Rainier. Yeah. Well, and um, Greg sent over some pictures, and seriously, I was like, "Holy cow! Like these look like a National Geographic like type things of what you were doing." Like, I if you were to look at the stats, I mean, I don't know, but I'm assuming that not very many people do that extreme 
type of hiking? No, I don't think they do. Like um, probably a very small percentage. It's a very small percentage. We read the percentage and we were pretty blown away. I can't remember the number, so I'm not going to do it. We'll just make it up 1%. No, just kidding. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was not too many people do it. And uh, you just step, kind of go out of your comfort zone. And you do your best. You go as far as you can. And that's kind of the key here. Go as far as you can. And, you know, however far you get, however good you, whatever you feel about it, you know, just like Nike says, just do it. Just forget about the the trepidation and, and being scared and nervous and the butterflies. Because that's kind of what makes you feel good about life. It hurt. It was tough. But look how far I've come. Uh, look where I was a year ago or two years ago um, compared to where, where I am now. And, uh, no, I didn't complete it. I'll be the first to admit. And it hurt. But, um, you know, do your best and uh, get other people excited for you. Because I think that was the biggest thing. And that, that's what helped me at the end. Um, you know, I had friends that, that called it the next day. And, you know, climb Mount Rainier. I didn't make it to the summit, but I, I went far. Here's some cool pictures. Here's some cool things we did. Well, and I think that that's key what you said to like get people excited for you because sometimes it's easy if you have a goal to not want to share it with anyone because you're afraid of failing. Even with this podcast, I, I didn't share it with a lot of people at first because I don't want to look like a failure. But when you do start to share, it's like your family and friends get excited. And just like what you're saying, that I'm sure that your kids like showing them these pictures, they're like, wow, like that's so cool, you know? Yeah. Anything you want to add that we didn't talk about? No, I think I covered it. <laughs> Okay. Well, thank you, Greg, so much for being on today. And I'm sure that your feet are still sore from this journey. Or have they healed? Uh, they have healed. I feel better. Oh, that's I good. Feel much better. So now you can go hike up. I can go hike. Yes. <laughs> Timp all the mountains. Yes. <laughs> well, guys, remember to put on your shoes, do your best, and believe in the impossible. Thanks for listening. All my dreams are coming. All my dreams are humming, all my dreams are coming true. Thanks again for pushing play and listening to this episode. If you want more information about today's guest, head over to www.notablepeeps.com.